I always like to think of myself as an encouraging preacher. I like to build people up, make them feel better about themselves, maybe come in and not beat you over the head about all the dumb things you do. So I want to start today's message by encouraging you, giving you just that little bit of man walking through the sunflowers, unicorns, farting out bubbles, feel good stuff that only an encouraging preacher can give you. I, w- I want to give you a, a truth, if you will, a statement, if you will, an encouraging word, if you will. In this life, more times than not, you're going to screw up. In this life, you're going to mess up. In this life, you are going to do things more times than not that you wish you would have never done. You're going to hurt people in this life. You're going to hurt yourself in this life. You're going to let people down in this life. More times than not, especially if your name is Gary Lamb, you're going to make the wrong decision over the right decision. And you're not going to do it one time. Just for good measure, you're going to do it about 10 or 15 times. In this life, you're going to F up. It's called reality. It's called life. Newsflash for you. You are not perfect. You never will be perfect on this side of heaven. If you didn't screw up, if you didn't mess up, there'd be no need for Jesus. If we could live a perfect life, why would God need to send his son to live the perfect life to die on the cross for our sins? Screwing up is part of life. Things not going the way you want them to go is part of life. And I think the worst thing about messing up in life is no matter how bad you want to go back and change it, You simply can't. I can't tell you how many times in life I come in contact with people and they're literally living life less than what they should be. And they'll tell me, I wish I could just go back in time. Well, if wishes were kisses, whatever the saying is, I don't know. Nobody has yet to design the time machine. There is no DeLorean that when you hit a certain speed limit is going to take you back to wherever it was where you screwed up and you can change it. Messing up is part of life. And we're in the third week of a series called Live Life. And the premise of the series is really, really simple. You have one shot at this thing called life. And what an amazing thing it is to think about it. You were born... You get to get up every single day. You 
get to make the most of this amazing thing called life. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. It literally is incredible. I've said it every week in this series, man, I love life. I have more fun asleep than most people have awake. When life is going wrong, I love life. When life is going great, I love life. When I screw up, I hate it, but I love life. Because you never know when life is going to be taken from you. And yet so many people go through this short thing called life and they literally waste it. They waste days. They waste months. Hell, some people waste years thinking about what happened 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 1 year 25 years ago, they can't move on from their past. And we've been talking about the things you have to do to make the most of your life. When you take your last breath, I've said it over and over and over, when when you're coming up on that last breath, you're not going to look back and say, man, I wish I would have worked more. Man, I wish... I'd have put more money in the bank. You're going to look back and you're going to say, man, I wish I would have seized every moment. I would have taken every risk, taken every chance. I wish I would have followed my heart in these situations. I wish, I wish, I wish. But the problem is there's no going back. You have no choice in the day you were born. You have no say in the day that you die. And those two things will be on your tombstone. But in between the day you were born and the day you will die will be a simple little line called the dash. And everything that happens in that dash you have control of. You have the choice to live life. You have the choice to make the most of it. No, you can't change the heartache that comes along in it. You can't change the obstacles that come along. But you have the choice to live life for all that it is. Literally in every sense of the word, the ball is in our court. The Bible says this, the thief comes only to kill, steal, steal and kill and destroy. We have an enemy, make no mistake about it. Don't get caught up in the fact that we're not your typical church. We believe there's a God and we believe there's a devil. We believe there's a place called heaven and we believe there's a place called hell. And we believe that we have a spiritual enemy. And the Bible says he comes to steal and kill and destroy. He comes to literally sap you of life. Good, evil, God, devil, total opposites. Their purpose in life, total opposite. The devil comes along, he wants you to live life going through the motions. He wants you to live life in the past. He wants you to live a life of regret. But the Bible says, this is Jesus talking here, he says, but I have come that they may have life. And I like how he takes it whole nother level. He says, I didn't come just where you can have life, but I came that you can have life and have it to the full. 
One of the versions of the Bible says, I have come that you may have life and it be exceedingly greater than anything you could ever imagine. You think that you're living life, but God says, I have come that you can live life that exceeds your wildest expectations. The devil comes to kill, steal, destroy. The devil comes to remind you of your mess-ups. The devil comes to remind you of your screw-ups. The devil comes to remind you of what you used to be. And God says, I have come that you can have life. That you can live every moment to the fullest. The Bible says in James that life is but a vapor. It's here for a second. In the grand scheme of things, our life is not much. Why would we waste any second of that life? But Gary, you don't, I, I don't care. Christ said he came that you may have life and have it to the full. We've been talking during this month on how to live life. And I've been telling you that it's a choice and there's some steps you've got to take. There's some decisions you've got to make to be able to live that life. The first week of the series, we talked about we have to live passionately. We talked about taking that risk in life, that, that we need to seize every moment and live life. Passion. We were not created to live life going through the motions. We were not created to get up and go work at 9 o'clock, uh, work at nine o'clock get off at 5 o'clock, go through the motions and do it again. I'm not saying we weren't created to work. We have to work. But the problem is so many people, that has become our life, the routine, just getting through the day. And that's not what God created us for. Last week, I told you the second step, if we're going to live life, is we have to love completely. That we were put on this earth to love, and we are now a world of hate. We love if you look like us and act like us and believe like us and talk like us and, and blah, 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 whatever it is. But we're called to love completely. Today I want to talk to you about the third step because it's so vital because I believe it's the hang up for so many people. I, I don't believe living passionately is a hang up. I just believe people aren't doing it. I, I don't believe loving completely is a hang up. I just believe people are not doing it. But this one today, man, it, it's that crippling thing that I see in people. I, I see people, and it's almost like they're carrying around some 250-pound weight over their chest, and, and they can't function because they're carrying this burden, they're carrying this weight. And, and instead of learning from it, we're allowing it to control us. And the third step in living life is we have to learn from our mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. We have to learn from those mistakes. Like I said, there's no one here who's perfect. There's no one here that has it all together. I, I know it looks like I do. Some make small mistakes. Some make big mistakes. Ran into a lady recently. She was with a different guy. And I said, oh, so-and-so, the guy kind of walked away. I said, what happened to so-and-so? Oh, that was a 265-pound mistake. See, some are 265-pound mistakes. Some mistakes are big, some are small, 
There's no way around it, though. We all make mistakes. There's no avoiding it. You can't go around the mistakes. You can't go over the mistakes. You can't go under the mistakes. And I don't know what your mistake is today, but, but you do. Let me rephrase that. I don't know what your mistakes are today, but you do. Some of you have drinking. You're a mistake. Some of you are smoking. You're a mistake. Some of you are sleeping with your mistake. Don't say amen if that's you and you're married. Some of you are feeling your mistake. It's your, it's your emotions. It's your temper. Mistakes are part of life. But here's what I want you to understand. People never live the life they were created for. I want to repeat that. I said people never live the life they were created for. If they can't get past their past. God came that we may have life and have it to the full. That we may have life and seize every moment and that may be exceedingly more abundant than we ever thought about. It's a life of purpose and a life of fulfillment. A life of joy. But the devil comes along and he steals and he kills and destroys and he gets in your ear and says, you remember when? You think you got it together right now, but you remember when? Don't act like you're happy. You know what you did on that day. Lies, he steals, he kills and destroys. And I've been doing this gig for a long time. And all of us have a past. And what I've learned is there's two ways to go about handling your past. That there's two ways that we allow our past to label us, to mold us. And the first one is this. Some people allowed their past to define them. They become their past. Becomes a characteristic of who they are. They can't move past it. Satan loves when this happens. He he wants you to allow your screw-ups to define who you are. And the problem is, we're such miserable people that we define people by their screw-ups. So we begin to define ourselves by our screw-ups. We love to see people screw up. Very rarely do people gossip about the good in people's lives. Hello? I, I, I know you're tired today. I had an event Friday, an event Saturday. I, I know how much some of you have drank over the last two days, so I know you're dragging a little bit. But I'm going to say that again, and you're going to act like you've got a little bit of soul today. I know it's hard. I know that we're about a 95% Caucasian honky church that has no rhythm and has no soul, but I need you to talk to me. We rarely gossip about the good in people's lives. But you let something bad happen, baby. Did you hear about so-and-so? 
And the church is the worst about it. Because we'll disguise it under prayer request. Mm, Pray for Timmy. You know he's out cheating. Knowing you didn't want no prayer for Timmy, you just want to let everybody know he was cheating. All right, let me tell you how to know someone's gossiping. If the conversation starts like, now I ain't one to gossip. Guess what they're about to do? They're about to gossip. And guess what? They ain't about to gossip about something good. I ain't never had nobody come to me and say, hey, I ain't one to gossip. But how about so-and-so, 25 years of marriage? Ain't that impressive? Well, how about so-and-so just got that new job? I ain't one to gossip now. But, man, I know they've been working hard, putting in the time, putting in the work. Now, it's more like this. I ain't one to gossip. I don't know how they made it 25 years. You know what he was doing. I've heard things about her. Now, I know that would never happen at Action Church. I ain't one to gossip, but, you know, he got that promotion. You know, you know how I heard he got it. Boy, we some crappy people. And we define people by their failures, and then we're shocked that we define ourselves by it. The reality is we delight. And no one will ever admit this, even after they hear it. But we delight in the failures of others because it makes us feel better about our failures. We're miserable freaking people. And if we can talk about your mess-ups, we don't got to focus on my mess-ups. That's the only reason you talk crap about people. And oh, by the way, if they're talking to you about them, They're talking to them about you. Mm. I didn't know we was having a sermon on gossip today. They allow their past failures to define them. Satan loves it when you're known by what you did. Don't miss this. He loves it when you're known by what you did instead of what Jesus did on the cross. So some people come along and they allow their past failures to define them. But then there's that select few. They allow their past failures to refine them. We're kind of that church. At any time, you don't even realize they're in the crowd. There's any number of former pastors that attend this church. Because when they screw up and when they mess up and their church wants nothing to do with them, they ain't got many options. So they come to the ghetto of Canton where they can slide in and be loved and accepted. Happens all the time. I watch them come in. I can always tell the first Sunday they're pastors because they'll have dockers on, button-up shirt tucked in, maybe a sports coat. They'll walk in. I won't even know. I'll be like, how you doing? I'm good. 
I've gotten out. Almost 10 years in, I'm like, where'd you used to pastor at? Over and over, I can't tell how many times they walked through and said, well, until today at about 11, I'm the pastor at so-and-so, but they're announcing my resignation. And within minutes, I can tell you whether or not that person's going to recover. Because I can tell if they're allowing what they did to define them or if they're allowing it to refine them. The Bible says this in Isaiah. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. See, they would take silver and they put it through the furnace over and over and over, seven times. And every time they would burn it, it reaches a boiling point. It would get the imperfections out of the silver and it makes the silver more pure. It's a burning process that purifies the silver. And God said, I have not, I am refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. God says, I'm going to send you through some hard times. I'm going to send you through some rough days. But it's going to refine you. It's going to, it's going to grow you. It's going to mature you. This is when we allow our, our mistakes to make you a better person. This is when you allow your past mistakes to be teaching moments. You allow those scars to no longer hinder you, but to remind you of what God got you through. They'll see the scar and it'll bring back bad memories. Or they'll see the scar and be like, man, I remember what God did in that time. Your past, it can define you or it can refine you. The reality is you are who you are today, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because of what you did yesterday. Every decision you've made, every choice you've made, every relationship you've had, every career path, everything you've learned has made you who you are today. You are who you are, good and bad, because of your past. And it can define you or it can refine you. And the reality is the choice is yours. But I'm telling you, if you want to live life the way God intended for you to live it, if you want to make the most of your one shot, you're going to have to make the decision that your future won't be defined by your past. Now, here's the deal with this type of message. It's a feel-good message. Yeah, Gary, our past isn't who we are. Amen to that, preacher. Woo, that's good, man. I, man, I want to help people get through their mess, and we love to amen it. But it's easier to preach than it is to live. Sometimes the mental things are the hardest things to overcome. So while I'm telling you you need to let your past refine you instead of define you, I don't want to minimize how hard that is. Because if it was just a matter of flipping a switch, we would just flip a switch. And for some people it is. But for some people it's a struggle. For some people, man, the guilt is so strong in their life that they just can't flip the switch. For some people, they can flip the switch, but people around them won't let them flip the switch. For some people, they can flip the switch, but then they see the consequences of their past all the time, and it's a constant reminder. 
So this is a fun sermon to amen to. It's a hard sermon to live out. If it was easy to live out, everybody would do it. In a crowd this size, I don't know what it is that happened in your past. I don't know what it is that's keeping you from living for God. You, you, you understand, and you even have a, a head knowledge that God has forgiven you. But you have a hard time forgiving yourself. I, I don't know what it is today, but here's what I know. Some of you will never get to live life because this third step will be the roadblock for you forever. You'll live in yesterday forever. You'll live in yesterday, even though it happened 20 years ago. You wasted 20 freaking years because of the decision you made 20 years prior. But Gary, you, you don't know how heavy it is. I understand that. You're dealing with the ramifications of it day after day after day. I don't know what it is. A lot of people, because of their sexual past, they have a real heaviness. <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of people, because of past addictions, can't move on from their past. I know people that can't even move on in relationships because of what happened in prior relationships. I don't know what it is today. But here's what I do know. You know what it is. It's already pounding in your chest. Your, your, your palms are a little bit sweaty. Your heart's beating a little bit harder. You got that kind of lump in your throat as the breakfast is starting to come back up. Because you know exactly what it is that's controlling you. I don't need to know what it is today. Because God knows what it is. And you know what it is. (laughs) Maybe it's a reoccurring sin that just happens over and over Maybe you can't get your temper under control and it's ruined every relationship you have. Maybe you can't put the bottle down and your spouse wants nothing to do with you and your kids want nothing to do with you. And because your kids want nothing to do with you, your grandchildren can't have anything to do with you and you're alone, but boy, you got your bottle. I don't know what it is. Man, you you pray for forgiveness and you make the decision, today's the day, I'm not doing this anymore, and you do good for a day. Hell, sometimes you do good for 30 days. And you slip right back into it. And when you slip right back into it, the guilt's bigger than ever. I don't know what it is. But I know it's keeping you from living the life you were created for. Maybe you said something to someone you love. And you wish you could take it back. You wish there was some way, if you could do anything in the world, to take those words back. Let me tell you the biggest lie we tell our kids growing up. 
Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Bull. When I'm tired, I cuss a lot, Christine says on stage. I'm trying not to cuss today. And some new folks out there, I don't want to freak them out to the second week. Bull crap. Boy, words can hurt. Matter of fact, I almost rather have the sticks and stones. I'll heal from those. Those words I replay over and over and over. And you know you hurt that person, you replay it over and over and over. You made bad decisions, and those bad decisions are catching up to you. I met a guy recently. He was going through some stuff, and he was telling me the story, and, and he, those parts of the story were letting me know that it wasn't a recent thing. And I said, man, when did that happen? He said, 21 years ago. And I said, 20? He goes, yeah. He goes, i got to be honest with you. I haven't thought about it in 21 years. And all of a sudden, I met this person who knew this person, and I was back confronted with what I did. He goes, I can't let go of the guilt. So maybe it's something that's reoccurred back in your life. I know people that have got divorced and, man, that they can't move on in a relationship because of the guilt they feel every time they're around their kids. They think, man, if I had just tried a little harder and prayed a little bit harder, worked a little bit more, I wouldn't be in this place. I get it, man. It can overwhelm you. One of my favorite scriptures is David, the king of Israel. The Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you, but man, if I could have any compliment ever, that's Gary. He's a man after God's own heart. I think there's a lot of compliments people could give me, and that would not be one of them. But David had an affair and then David liked to implode big time. Not only did he have an affair, he got the girl pregnant. And then he realized that was a problem. So he took her husband, sent him to the front lines of the war and had him killed. Then he took the woman as his wife to cover up the sin. And then she had the baby and the baby died. And David wrote this scripture in Psalms 38. He said, my guilt has overwhelmed me. Like a burden too heavy to bear. My guilt has overwhelmed me. Like a burden too heavy to bear. You ever been there? Or the guilt of something you did? I, I've been there. It's almost like thousand pound weight is sitting on your chest. You can't breathe. You can't function. It's almost like you're having a heart attack because you can't bear the guilt of what you've done. And it literally cripples us from being what God created us to be. I had a lady tell me recently, she said, if I could be anything in life, it would be a mentor to young women. I said, well, why aren't you? She said, but you know about my past? My logic was, yeah, that's why you should be a mentor to young ladies. Her logic was, God could never use me. 
I had another guy say, man, if I could have anything in the world, it'd be for my wife and I had to have a good marriage. I'm a different person than when we got married. And I said, well, good, man, that's a good goal. I don't know, I don't want to live and be miserable in my marriage. He said, but I did so many things early on. It can never happen. I wanted to share story after story of people I know that God has restored their marriages. But if he gets past the place of guilt in his life, it's not going to happen. See, what happens is their past continues to follow them. But we need to understand some things. We need to comprehend some things today. We need to understand that every saint of God... Every great person that God has ever used, every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. You think you've done something too horrible for God to love you? Your biggest sin's arrogance then. Don't flatter yourself. I mean, as you flip through this book, God used some messed up people. I think one of the horrible transformations in the church is that we have forgot to preach that truth. Church now says, man, to be used to God, you've got to have it all together. You've got to be this and this and that and this and jump like this and talk like that and know this secret handshake. Run everybody through the ringer to be used. I, I, I don't think most churches would have used any of the disciples. This book's full of murderers that God's used. And adulterers that God's used. And bad-tempered people that God's used. And people that suffered from depression that God's used. And people who didn't have it all together that God's used. Prostitutes that God's used. Drunks that God's used. He used a donkey. Literally took a donkey. The King James literally says he took an ass. And brought a message. That's good news for some of you. God can use an ass once. He can use it twice. <laughs> but you got to get past your past. Two things and we're getting out of here because I am tired. You're lucky today. This is your first time. Don't get used to this. I'm an hour and five minutes every week. You're just lucky today. First thing you need to realize is you're not what you've done. You're who God says you are. You are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. You are not what you have done. You are who God says you are. Let me repeat that again in case you missed it. I said you are not what you've done. You're who God says you are. The world loves to define our sin. What do we do? He's a drunk. She's an adulterer. He's a liar. He's hot-headed. She's a thief. 
The world loves to come along and label your sin. They want you to become what you've done. Because if they can label you and get you to believe that's who you are, you won't focus on who God says you are. You are not what you've done. You're who God says you are. You are the very product. Do not miss this. You are the very product, the very identity of the creator of the universe who breathed life into you. There's no one else like you. You can travel the world and there's nobody else just like you. Nobody has your DNA. You're uniquely made by God. That defines you. That's incredible. Think about that. I mean, just think about it for one second. See, Satan tries to get us to personalize our sin. He, he tries to get us to see our sin as who we are instead of what we've done. So you don't say, man, I committed adultery. You say, man, I'm an adulterer. You don't say, man, I have a drinking problem. You say, man, I'm a drunk. Great tool of the devil. Get you to believe you are what you do. Genius. Instead of who God says you are. The reality is this today, and I want you to understand this. You are not a drunk today. You are not a thief today. You are not a liar today. You are not an adulterer today. You are not a hot head today. You are not a gossip today. You are a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He spoke you into existence. The Bible says this in Psalms, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You think God makes mistakes? Then he ain't much of a God. God doesn't make junk. I say this all the time. You might have been a surprise to mommy and daddy. Daddy might have thought he was having a good time in the back seat and never expected you to come along, but surprise, here you are. But you did not surprise God. He formed you. He created you. He made you. He told Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before you were formed. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. And he said, not only did I know you, I called you. And I set you out for a purpose. Think about that. Before they ever brown chicken, brown cowed, God knew you. Of a million, oh man, I, listen, if you got your kids in the service, there, we have a kids area for a reason. So if you have to go home and explain today, I don't feel bad. Here's what you need to know. Out of a million something sperm that were released, you're the one who won. 
so before you ever took your first breath, you beat unsurmountable odds. Because God had a plan for you, a purpose for you, a calling for you. But Gary, you don't know what I've done. Gary, you don't know what I've said. Gary, the church has told me I'm wrong for this and I'm wrong. Who cares? God says you're his. God says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are new. I like them little sayings that people put on Facebook. If you, don't, if you knew me 10 years ago, you don't know me. If you knew me six months ago, you don't know me. You allow your bigoted religious friends to define you. You know how many people won't darken the doors of the church because the church has told them what they're doing is wrong? Who are we? What did we say last week? Billy Graham said it's God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to, I can't even remember the saying now, Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's our job to love. How many people would see themselves as God saw them if we just simply loved? Ain't it funny? The sins that keep the sins that keep us from God are never the sins that we commit. So I'm addicted. My name is Gary Lamb, and I'm addicted. I need mental help from this thing on YouTube. I can't even remember what it's called. I subscribe to it now. I can't remember what it's called. Crazy sermons or something. I post them on Facebook all the time. And they just take clips of these preachers that are literally insane and say the craziest things. And there was a preacher the other day screaming about everything, man. Preach like Democrats were going to burn in hell and gay people were going to burn in hell and black people were going to burn. I mean, literally everything. And uh, people who drank. But he was so fat. Like, literally, did you see the thing? He knocked his sermon notes in the floor and was so fat, he couldn't bend over to pick them up. And I thought to myself, isn't it amazing, man? He missed gluttony the whole time. Like, he was sweating. Like, I was watching. I thought they posted a clip because he was going to die in the middle. I was like, this is going to be good. Like, he going to have a heart attack in the middle of the sermon. He was just screaming and spit was coming down his face. And I was like, good. That's great. And then like, I watched it for like four hours. <laughs> yes, I have no life. <laughs> God says, I made you. And you're perfect in his eyes. Let me have kids. Man, I love my kids. Now, I ain't stupid enough to think they're perfect. But I ain't going to tell you, I'm stupid enough to see things in my kids y'all don't see. Because they're my kids. You think they're little shits, and you're probably right, I, but they're my kids. <laughs> Just like your kids are. I don't like your kids, because they ain't my kids. My kids are lucky I like them. I ain't a kid kid person. God looks down and says, that's mine. I created it. I know that. I know they ain't perfect. That's why I sent my son for them. He said, I got the hairs on their head numbered. 
I know every detail of them. God hates the way you do this. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. You think you surprised God with decisions you made? No, he loves you just the way you are. He's not waiting for you to do anything. To, if I got to do something to earn your love, it's not true love. You're not who you've done. You're who God says you are. And I'm done right here. You cannot change your past. But Jesus can change your future. You can not change your past. Don't miss it. You cannot go back in time and be a better mother if you were a bad mother. You cannot go back in time and not get addicted to drugs if you were addicted to drugs. You cannot go back in time and fix the marriage that you messed up You cannot go back in time and fix where you messed it up with your kids. You cannot go back in time and change anything. It's impossible. Greater minds than you have tried. You can wish for it. You can want it. You could say you'd spend everything to make it happen. Here's the reality. You can't quit wishing for it. Quit giving it one second of thought. Cannot happen. Can't change it. Let me change. I want to be real sensitive with what I'm about to say here. For real. You can't go back and change something that horrible that someone did to you. I wish it didn't happen. Hear more and more stories from women being molested as kids. That's horrible. It infuriates me. But you can't go back and change it. I know it hurts and I know there's pain, but you can't go back and change it. It's impossible. But Jesus can change your future. He can refine you. He can refine you. He can use it. What they meant for evil, I meant for good. I don't understand always why we got to go through those hard times. <laughs> Talking to someone recently, and they were young, and they got pregnant. They made a decision with that pregnancy that has haunted them every single day. Can't go back and change it. Can't go back and change it. But now, they've spent their life coming along young girls that get pregnant helping them make better decisions. You can't change it, but Jesus can change your future. If we spend as much time focused on our future as we did our past, man, how much better would we be? People tell me, I'm just just trying to make up for lost time. You can't, it's lost. It's lost. It doesn't work that way. 
If you weren't there for your kids growing up, you spending double time with them now doesn't make up for that time. But you can spend time with them now. You can be there with them now. You can be the parent they wish you would have always been and you wish you would have always been. Or you can spend time trying to make up for it and smother them in the process and they want nothing to do with you. You can come along and, and try to fix a relationship. And here's what we do so many times. Husbands, guys, we're the worst at this. We screw up. We want to fix it. We go overboard trying to fix it. And they don't accept it on the timeline that we think is acceptable. Mm. I mean, I'm not guilty of that. But some of you guys are. <laughs> Satan loves to come along. This is so old school preachery, I feel cheesy saying it. But Satan loves to come along and remind you of past, but every time he does, just remind him of his future. Here's the deal. We win. We win. I've read the end of the book. We win. He doesn't get to remind us of our past. I don't live there anymore. It's rarer and rarer. Is that a word? Okay. It is in my world. I'm the one talking. It's rare that I run into people from my past that I haven't run into anymore. It's been 12 years. But I still do very occasionally. And they'll say, hey man, can we talk about it? Here's my always. Matter of fact, sometimes they'll come into this church. I ain't seen them in 12 years. Hey man, I'd like to sit down and talk and I always say this. I said, I get it, man. 12 years ago, I was your pastor. I let you down. So here's what I'm going to give you. One time. Man, I'll sit down with you one time. And you can ask me any question you want to ask me. You can tell me how much I let you down, whatever you need to do. But then it never gets brought up again. Because I don't live there anymore. You know that every time that's happened, I tell them they got one time, they're like, no, you're good. I don't need to. You're right. I don't live there anymore. You can live there all day long. How miserable. How miserable. But it's really a mindset. Here's what I want you to understand, and I'm done. I'm going to read a verse, and I'm done. I'm not done. We underestimate the power of this. While it's not that simple, it really is... That simple. You make the choice not to do it anymore. You make the choice to let Christ change your future instead of you living in your past. Here's what Paul said in Philippians. By the way, Paul's in prison right here. By the way, if you don't know who Paul is, before Paul became a Christian, his job was to kill Christians. So I think he might have a little one-up on you on the worst past. He says, not that I've already attained all this. I have already arrived at my goal. He said, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. He said, he's striving forward in this walk of Christ. And he said, here's what I do. I forget what is behind me. And I strain towards what is ahead. 
I, I like that word strain because it implies that there's work involved in focusing on the future. It's not easy, but it's a discipline, it's a decision. You combat lies with truth. You're worthless, no, you're a child of God. You're an adulterer, no, you're a child of God. You're a drunk, you're a child of God. He said, I strain towards what is ahead. He said, I, I, the wording here is just amazing. He said, I press on, press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of these things. And if at some point you think differently, I pray that God will make it clear to you. He said, I press towards bettering myself. I press towards having a better future. I press towards the life Christ wants me to have. He says, there's going to be days that it's too heavy. How many of you have ever done a bench press? Ever been a bench press? You press it up. How many of you have ever pressed up a certain weight and then the next day, man, you're as tired and couldn't get the same weight up? There's going to be days that you press backwards. It just happens. You're going to take a step backwards. Okay, the next day take three steps forward. It's a job. It's a work. And it starts up here. You make the decision to learn from your past. You make the decision that today is a new day. And the reality is this. God's forgotten your past. Probably time for you to forget it. You will never live the life you were created for until you learn from your mistakes. Ever. Set up a monument to them as a reminder that you don't ever want to go back to that. Your past is your past. People ask me all the time, would you change anything? I wouldn't change anything. Nothing. Nothing. Gary, you wouldn't change anything. I would change nothing. Because all of that has me where I am today. And I love where I am today. One decision could have changed all that. And I wouldn't be where I am today. In every aspect of my life, my marriage, my career, emotionally, mentally, probably not physically. I probably should work on that part. Wouldn't change anything. Guess what? The mistakes that I'm going to make, I'm going to make mistakes. I wouldn't change them. Because when I make them, I'm going to learn from them. What's the saying? Fall down nine times, get back up ten. One change in anything in my past, I might not be where I'm at today. Let's pray.